This episode of Back to Work is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fast and easy way to create a high-quality website, blog, or online portfolio. Sign up this month and use the coupon code BACKTOWORK8, that's Back to Work in the numeral 8, and you'll get 10% off your first six months with Squarespace. Learn more at squarespace.com slash backtowork, and we thank Squarespace very much for supporting 5x5 and Back to Work. Hey, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Dan? Good. <clears throat> been a Wu-Tang. I've listened to Pink Floyd and Wu-Tang this morning. What are you listening to? Do you listen to music at all? No, not really. Not anymore. Hmm. Nothing at all. Not. No, no. You get that fancy computer and you're not listening, you, don't, you don't listen to any music at all. No. Would you, listen, you used to listen to Led Zeppelin. What else? What, the, the outfield. I'm guessing you were really into the outfield. No. Can I ask you a question, Dan Benjamin? Go when ahead. With Go Katie, ahead, caller. Like your first time outfielder. Was um, I Don't Want to Lose Your Love Tonight, was that ever your song with somebody, with a lady? No, although that is a great song that I heard recently in a Walmart. That song, it's one of those songs where <laughs> you need to hear it exactly once. You need to hear the verse and the chorus and the bridge, and then you really don't need to hear it again for a pretty long time. But it's good to hear. What's yeah. the most embarrassing song you ever had with a lady that was, you regarded as your song? Oh, like a song that was her and my song together? That's right. Hmm. Yeah, I can't believe you have to think about this. Because I really don't know. I've never, I never really gave music uh, a particular song that much of a place. Like, I've never really had a song that was my song with somebody else or even for myself. Right. Not at all. No. Is there any chance you're dead inside? Probably not. Okay. For me, um, I think it would be, um, it was an Ario Speedwagon song. Um, <laughs> you're the inspiration. It's a that great song. Be, I, if you think that song is great, you are well and truly dead inside. Yeah, it's imagine. a great song. Mm-hmm. You bring feeling to my life. Good video, too. Wasn't yeah. that from the uh, Karate Kid? I'm not sure. I think it was one of those videos where it slowly pans from left to right while the band's sitting in some like rattan furniture playing a bass kind of thing. Remember oh, that was like man. a genre for a while? It was like just the guys just kicking back on, in the Florida room, just being real relaxed and just playing, playing instruments. I think that might have been that kind. I'm not sure. We'll look it up. <sighs> Boy, music is huge for me, Dan. I can't, I can't follow it like I used to, but it's just, it's huge. I love music. Love it. Terrible at it. But I, I love it. Love it. I used, to mm. listen, I used to listen to music, uh, you know, all the time. All the time. You, Big part you, of my life. Big part oh, of my life. Did you see that uh, our friend Mark posted the rock opera on their site? I don't know if you've a, seen this. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, first of all, the, the site and the treatment that, that they did for that is just amazing. So, uh, CPU. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this gorgeous thing on a C- CSS and Van Hoots running around talking about CPU cycle. It is good. So, it's really good. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, uh, Chairman Gruber linked to that. That guy throws some lumber. Oh, yeah. Did you, did you ask him to do that? No. Although he refused to link to it until the uh, – he absolutely refused to link to it until the apostrophe was fixed because when the site first came out – Oh, it was I, – I, it, it drove me crazy. It was a straight – it was a straight yeah. – uh, did they fix that? Yeah, they fixed it. John, John sent me a message to, to say to Mark over there, our, our, our main – Mark is the main man over there. At, Great guy. At uh, the MailChimp. And Mark, John's Mark like, like Mark, you've got to fix this. It's killing me. He's, John's words were, it's killing me. Let's not mince words, Dan. Mark, Mark is probably the person, uh, apart, apart from you, the person who's most responsible for, for this 5x5 five five five. being awesome. That's correct. He's the best. I saw that. I, didn't, I would never in a million years say anything because obviously so much work went into that. But I saw, I saw it was straight, and I thought, you know, that should probably be 
So how what for we'll put this in the show notes, but this you is want to tell what happened. Tell, tell people what happened because this is my part of this was fairly minimal. The amazing part is that MailChimp did this with us. This is the cool part. This just shows what a cool company they are. Do you want to tell or do you want me to? You tell you? it. You're you're you No, please, I went to I was at Brown Owl this morning, Brown Owl Coffee Terraval between twenty twenty first and twenty second. And Wardell told me he said he said you should let the other guy talk more. That's what Ward Wardell's the coolest guy in our neighborhood. And uh he said you should let the other guy talk more. So Do you mean John Gruber? That's right. Hang on a second here. I don't know. Was that a bong in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a big one here. It's got, uh, it's got four carbs. Play it, play it like an ocarina. So when we first started the show, we, we went to MailChimp and we said that we, want, we think you guys should sponsor. And you said that you wanted to do something amazing. And you had this idea for I said I'm tired. Amazing. I'm tired of of generic. See, I knew I you'd say, tell the story better. We, no, shut up. I'll, I'll, no, me shut up. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. Go ahead, caller. Okay, thanks for a uh, first time. First time chimper. I I get frustrated because I I think that there's. A, I'll tell you. What, can I tell you what really frustrates me, Dan? It really frustrates me when people piss and moan about advertising, but then they block advertising, but then they run advertising, but then they treat their advertising like it's this horrible thing. Now, like you and I, we run the deck because we like the deck and we like the products that are on the deck, and we don't do crap like charge people a dollar a month a month to not look at it because we think it's valuable. And it just drives me crazy when people act like they, they, they hate ads, but they'll take ads, but they don't think it's valuable. Well, I just really believe in trying to do something nice for advertisers, because, especially for Mark, because he's crazy cool. That's all. I'm sorry, I don't want to go on a rant, because I know I've said a lot of dumb stuff. I think running, I think pasting all kinds of crappy ads over your site that you don't really care about is not a great way. You know, and like, like, Karen, like Sherman Gruber said last week, it's a corrupting influence to have that be the only way, unless you do something cool with it. And right. so that's why we said, you guys have been so good to us, we want to do something cool for you. But then you take it because they did something really kind of amazing. Well, the, well, a big part of what they did was they said that you could, you know, you had this idea for a rock opera. They kind of said, just do, we, we love what you guys are doing with the show. We, we're big fans of Merlin. We trust you. Do, do something really different. Do something really cool. Make, make something oh. gigantic. And, and I don't know how much you guys are, are out there pitching ideas today, but I had a million dollar idea which was uh, to do a multi-part. It's very, it was very informed, but at the beginning, all I really said was, look, I don't, I'll put your name on, I'll do whatever you want, but I want to write a rock opera <laughs> about Dan, right. Dan Benjamin, that is heavily influenced uh, by the Wrens, uh, the Meadowlands, uh, the Wasteland by T.S. Eliot, and um, Judaica, writ large, and just basically you know, Semitic Talmudic li- literature, and, um, the, of course, heavily influenced by The Big Lebowski. Sure. And they said, well, uh, B, do it, but A, you don't even have to mention our name. <laughs> Isn't that like, crazy? Like, we, you were planning on making a, I don't want to say a jingle, but you were planning on making no, something that was, like, integrated, right? I would do it. It would be something like a story, you know, and actually capture this, Mark, because um, I think you listen sometimes, but maybe about Ham. Remember Ham, the chimp that went into space? Was he the Russian the one or the American one? No, he's the American one. I won't spoil the ending for you. But it was not great at the ending. But, but, but I was happy to, I was ready to write some kind of, like, Bowie-esque thing about MailChimp just because I want to do something fun where I got to do music. And so anyway, it was just really, I, I, I don't mean to beat this to death, but at a time when everybody's struggling for a way to do something cool with what they make and to find a way to make money and do all these things, I'm not working, actually working on a post for 43 Folders about this because I, I like how this went. And I think it gets to our back-to-work-ish point about trying to create relationships that only the two of you could do because who in the hell would compensate me to write a rock opera about you apart from Mark DeChristine. Well, let's be honest. That's about it's, it. It's, <laughs> the list, these are the, the number of people who would do that would fit into a, like a, a smart car, you know? It would be like my mom and Mark. 
you know? And she's <laughs> yeah. on a fixed income, so I don't want to ask her for that. Right. No, not again. Yeah. So I, we're just really grateful. I don't want to go on about this, but I'm really grateful because it's, I, I've always liked doing music. I'm going to do more. I'm actually pitching Mark on the next one. Oh, good. Well, you, the you de- mean there'll be more music? Well, I'm pitching somebody. I hope it's Mark that does it. The next one's going to be the debut EP by Box of Chalk, the world's whitest rapper. Oh, he goes by Chalk because he's white and brittle. So the, de- the debut EP by Box of Chalk is going to be my next project. Okay. So, um, but I just think it's awesome. And they're, and you know, and everybody pisses him as, oh, Merlin's the anti-email guy. Well, I wish to God that everybody in the world would let me control my email as well as MailChimp does. That's why I like them. I don't, I don't hate email. I hate people who beat me to death with email that I don't want. And I subscribe to several MailChimp lists because it's a breeze and it's pretty. They're not a sponsor. They didn't pay us to say that, did they? No. They're not a sponsor. Are they still, they sponsor your other shows? Uh, yes. All you have to know is you can go and download this. And if you, if, if you want to hear my horrible warbling voice, the only the thing I will say that might interest you a little bit, and I'm going to go into this in the post, is that except for my horrible sharp vocals and acoustic guitars, almost every single instrument on there, and I'll, I'll document this for the nerds. I talked to, actually, I talked to Jonathan Colton about this. I'm also going to put it on CC Mixter, so if people want to grab it, I'm going to CC it, um, you know, Creative Commons it. Anybody can do what they want with it. You can tear out my terrible vocals and reveal how uh, auto-tuned my sharpness is. But, um, but it, almost all of that was done on the iPad. I did that, that amazing? In, in GarageBand on the iPad. And then whenever I needed to add an acoustic guitar or real vocals. But, but even stuff like on that um, Then When part with the... Gong, 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 yeah, gong, I love that it one. Sounds like, it sounds like Jamie's crying. That's just me plucking notes on an electric guitar on the iPad. I mean, I know it's not the best thing and you're going to recognize those beats in the choir if you've ever used the iPad app, but it was a test for me to see, like, could I really, like, write from zero? Could I write songs just using the iPad instruments? And I did. It's too bad that you can't create things with an iPad. It's only for consumption of things. Unfortunately, I got to tell you, Dan, I did get that memo. I got that memo twice. <laughs> I got yeah. it on my, I got it on my PC you were twice. Able to do it. You can't read the memo. When you get the memo about, you can't even read that on your iPad. Are you kidding me? It's a toy. Nobody's going to buy those. It's just a giant it's iPhone. Like, it's like Yogi Berra says, you know, nobody buys them anymore. They got too popular. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just want to say like, uh, you know, and I'll go into this more in that post. This, I don't mean this as a shill for, for MailChimp, except I guess that's technically what they paid for. But I, I just, I, I think it's a really, and I was talking to Jonathan about this because, uh, you know, obviously he's a guy who's figured out how to do things in his own way. I don't see myself going into a career in this, but it's, it got me doing music again for the first time in a really long time. And we found somebody who thought it was valuable. And now you know that MailChimp did that. So it had some kind of an impact. I, I hope you liked it. A lot of people seem to like it. But the main thing is, like, they did something really cool. They took a gamble and it worked out. I think that's a very back-to-work-ish thing. And I'm just I'm really honored and pleased that they made that awesome page. So that's in show notes. You can link to yeah. it. Or we'll just say it now because it's worth it. MailChimp.com slash sometimes dash there's dash a dash <laughs> Man. Now I'm not I'm not going to say a hero because what's a hero, right? But but uh, also you, they have a blog post about this that has one of my all time favorite comments of all time ever ever ever. And I'll just do this from memory. But so uh, uh, you uh, commissioned uh, your name's not even in the song. So <laughs> and Mark goes precisely. <laughs> it was exactly the idea is to not have our name in the song. Yeah, you just like it. I don't know. Whatever. Cut all that out, Jim. I don't know. Do you like Wu-Tang Clan at all? Have you ever listened? Have you ever actually sat down and listened to Wu-Tang Clan? Are they different from Wang Chung? Mm-hmm. That's I, the I, same I, thing. I could, if I had had a little more coffee, I would try to do RZA doing dance hall days. You know? I'm not even going to try. Is that I'm that Killing Me, killing me Softly of, one? Is that that one? Mm, I think that's the Fugees. Oh, okay. So those are different? 
Yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking about the the Rizza, the Jizza, uh, Capadonna. I think he's one of the. Oh, is this a insane in the membrane? Oh God! Oh my goodness! I think my posse's full of angry now. My is that different? I mean, is this different? No, absolutely. My Uzi weighs a ton, and it's full of a whole clip full of anger. God damn it, Dan Benjamin! You know what? I'm going to school you. I'm going to take you to school. I'm going to take you to the old school by way of the new school. We'll probably pick up some lunch. Is this the one where they do where he's in the boxing mm-hmm. ring and he's like, "Don't call this a comeback." Oh, I've right. Don't call it years. a comeback. I've been here for years, rocking the yeah. yeah. Is that damage, this? Dis- damage, destruction, terror. Send me, hand me a sissy soft sucker, and I'll slam. I used to be able to do the entire thing from memory. That would be LL Cool J, who can't live without his radio. Is the caller there? <sighs> Wardell said I should let you talk more. So I'm going to not prepare anymore, and I'm not going to talk. So you take it. Just like usual. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what is our... What, you want to start the show? Barry Crumble. Yeah, yeah, good week. Mm. It's a big week. Mm. Big week, big I, B-I-G, notorious B-I-G week. Have you had a good week, Dan? It seems like... I'm having a crumble. I got a crumble, berry crumble. Um, so you're off. You're off paleo already. Hmm? Oh, How I think long? if you pronounce it funny, it's still paleo. <laughs> you're eating creme brulees. No, 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 no. It's a berry, berry crumble. It's a crumble. Here's the thing. I need to get more meat and the nitrates. I think I, my neck hurts. I've been having so many nitrates, and I if I go to Whole Foods, you know, I can get the elk jerky or whatever. So. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go back to it. Next, next time I get paid, I'm going to go buy more meat. I'm well, what home. you could do is you could do what yeah. some people do as a first step, which is they, if they're not right. ready to fully commit to paleo, you could start by just doing the one thing that would really help you, which would be eliminating gluten. Just go gluten-free as a first step. Have you noticed? Oh, that's what I'm trying to do. I really am. I mean, like I'm cheating right now because I, I knew my sugar, sugar would get weird if I didn't eat. So, of course, it's spiking now. That's why I'm angry. It, but, well, if you eliminate gluten and carbs, then you're you're – your levels will all even out. Everything will think, be even out. Everything will even out. I got to tell you, actually, Dan, I think that's super interesting. Meals will be optional for you. You'll skip a meal. You'll feel hungry, but you won't have to eat. You won't get shaky and weird. You won't get the sweaty yeah. palm. Well, won't you won't get, get the cranky head. Yeah. No, I get the... You've mentioned before... Um, you won't get it. Did you have legitimate diagnosed hypoglycemia or were you just impatient? <laughs> that's the, what my, my ex used to say. She said, you don't have hypoglycemia. You're, you're just impatient. You know, and I, I, I think that's diagnosed. I, seriously, though, if I don't really, for real, you got the blood test and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Wow. I, I agree with you. And I, I, we could probably. Even Faith if, is gluten free now. Oh, is Faith there? Yeah, she's always here. Is she rocking the mic? Yeah. Yes, I'm here. Oh, hi, Faith. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm, I'm swell. Apparently, my sugar's spiking, according to, uh, according to Reverend Jim over there. But <laughs> Dr. How, Dan. Dr. Dan. Oh, that's so creepy. It sounds like he would have a van in like two of our elementary schools. <laughs> Time for another unexpected visit from Dr. Dan. <laughs> you kids like inoculations? Um, so how's week three? Did, any more songs? Anything new? No, this is week four, actually. Yeah. So I, I think good. Faith, I think I'm in a fugue state. I missed a week. Did, no more songs, though, right? Does that well, he did, Dan did, didn't technically announce me until I had already been working for one week. Right? Hmm. Wasn't I a secret yeah. for week one? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I did that with my wife for a couple of years. <laughs> a couple of years? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now, see, you know, her, I tried to get her to, to agree that Peg by Steely Dan would be our song, and she was not into that. Steely Dan's great. Yeah, or Kid Charlemagne. Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. Do you like Steely Dan, Faith? Uh, sure. Mm. Hmm. See that's 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 a basic that's that's kind of a gender test. I 
I know exactly one lady who likes Steely Dan, and I'm pretty sure she's lying. Probably. I could tell you. No, she, she loves Steely Dan. Possibly. It's almost obnoxious. She won't stop humming. Dan, can I, can I make, we capture this? Can I suggest you make her a tape? Oh, like a mixtape? Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I made her a mixtape, it would have movies on it that I need for her to see, not, not songs. I heard, I heard a rumor, Dan. Yeah. I caught this in one of your numerous emails that you send each week. That it, had, has she not seen the film? Is that accurate? She has not seen it. The film. And, and she, she lives in the town that's sort of the genesis of all of the events surrounding the film. Oh, God. Theodore Herzl. Wait, what have I not seen and why was there an email about it? <laughs> we talk. Merlin and I talk. That's we weird. talk a lot. We send each about other About what movies I haven't seen? Only about oh, this one Oh, you wish that's where it stopped. We sent, we sent pictures of monkeys kissing to each other. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. It's just that Dan and I want to French a little bit. <laughs> You need to see a film called The Big Lebowski. Now, here's the thing. The first time you watch it, you're going to think it's a little bit funny and you're going to be mad that somebody made you watch it. Now, yeah. the second through seventh times that you watch it, it'll get funnier. Now, it's not going to be funny from the eighth to the seventeenth time, and I want you to prepare for that. But sometime around the 26th time you watch it, you're going to go to another level, and you're going to realize it's more than a movie. Hmm. Something very special here, hmm. without the necessary means. You should... You should <laughs> can you pay her for this, Dan? Buy her a computer... Get her a decent computer. Got it. I mean, does that little thing play like Jesus Jones when it starts up? I don't even understand how you're using that. Get, and then give her a copy of the film, and then we can really... Should we start the show? Yeah, let's start. Let's start the show. Anyway, it's, really, it's a good movie, Faith. Now, do you like the Coen Brothers? Have you seen, like, Fargo? No, I have not seen that one. Oh, man. What was your major in college? <laughs> film. Film. Oh, look at me. I'm Jean Cocteau. <laughs> you know... Alphaville. I said Alphaville. Have you seen Alphaville? No. Have you seen Alpha V? Have you seen that? No. Alf. What about uh, Breathless? You, you yes. want a new waiver? You bet you're a new waiver. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. she must be. Yeah. But I don't like that you keep implying, Dan, that because I was a film major, that means I should have seen all no. your favorite movies. What I'm implying is that is that I have a complete misunderstanding of what it means to be a film major in Ye- 2000 something. Yes, I would agree. Because movies like you would think if you're a film major, whether you wanted to see them or not, you would have been forced at the very least required to see The Godfather. Oh. Wait a minute. Let me understand <laughs> this. Did are you, you, have are you to saying bring what that I think up? you're saying? Yeah, I've never seen The Godfather. I've seen it in parts, as I've seen The Big Lebowski in parts, in class, but I've never seen it. That's like learning the alphabet in parts. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm pretty good on <laughs> E through G, but I'm a little spotty on the one that looks like a tree that makes the ta sound. Wow. So there, but that's the thing, and I don't, I'm not judging. I'm just, no, I'm, what I'm, you know what I'm judging? I'm you judging think- the educational system. I'm judging yes, the whoever wrote the, cri- the criteria that says in order to get a film. Because for me, a film degree... You could you could earn a film degree by watching about five or six movies, and just oh, yeah. you watch them mean, enough, mean and you streets, have a film. Degree. Mean Streets, Godfather Two, um, and probably uh, anything with Steve Gutenberg, except Diner. That's a little fancy. But you'd be automatically disqualified if if you have if found out to have watched Chariots of Fire. Oh, see, that's the test one. Yeah. That's the uh, they call it the Canary Trap. It's not that not really that good. Like Canary in a Coal Mine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. What coal miner's daughter was Sissy Spacek. So, uh, young Tommy Lee Jones was in that. Yeah. And he roomed with Al Gore. And he was also in that movie about football that she probably hasn't seen, that documentary about football. Which one? Hmm? Uh, it's Wildcats with, uh, with Private seven, Benjamin? Seven and 15. It? It's the one about that one game of Harvard versus Yale, I believe. We'll have to, we'll have to tell I'm thinking of Hoosiers with uh, Gary, oh, uh, what's his oh, name? That's what the guy with Lex Luthor is in Lex that, Luthor, right? yeah. Right. Now, he, now, he's not the guy who, who had intercourse and deliverance. That's, that's his assistant. That's his assistant. Yeah. Who's also Lotso Hug and Bear. 
<laughs> That's right. He was made for that part. He was, he was made for that I part. I think the hugging bear was made for him. First thing you got to know about me, I'm a hugger. We're on Wally right now. Big on Wally. Right oh, yeah. Now. She's Mo. I am Wally. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's Mo. So now she cleans all the time. She gets, she gets a wipe <laughs> and she keeps telling us how she, I, I had to clean up all your messes, she says. Well, anyway, we're going to be remedying this situation with Faith very start? soon. Very you soon. Could, are you going to start with, are, are you going to go straight cone? Are you going to go right into the cone? Or you, you might, might not want to start her with the Lebowski. You might want to start her with, uh, see, Racing Arizona, I don't think that's aged that well. That's I've, the th- that I've seen. Oh, I've see, seen now that. John Goodman's yeah, in that I've movie. Seen that. John Goodman's in that. He's mm-hmm. Captain McRae, the overweight captain in Wally, as well as Buttercup, the unicorn. Don't tell me I don't have a memory. What's your name? You're Dan, is that correct? We got to start the show, Dan. This is we're, oh my Christ on a crutch. Twenty it's minutes 20. in, let's do a sponsor. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you retroactively make that after dark? Because that was good. It's just that shouldn't be the show. Are That's the whole mad? show. Are people mad in the chat room? I'm not looking at the chat room. Okay. You want to start the All show? Right. Okay. Let me tell you about something. There's these guys. I'm not sure where they live, but there's there's uh, 217 <laughs> brothers named Wilkinson. <laughs> And what they are, I think they might be from, uh, I don't know, the, the Hebrides or something. They wear a lot of wool, and they have excellent hair, slightly large for their heads, but I think they are slightly uh, hypocephalic. But they are very talented developers who make a thing called Flow. It's not Get Flow. It's called Flow. And Flow, have you seen this Flow, Dan? I have seen it. I've been in the Flow. Well, I've been in Flow, too. It's a fantastic ta- task management app that you can use on the web. It works on your uh, iOS device, and it's totally sexy. Learn more about this at GetFlow. It's got lots of features. Hey, Dan, have you tried this yet while you're in the app? <clears throat> Excuse me. You hit, I want to say shift and then question mark, and you get all the key commands and a really pretty thing. It's really pretty. I want to tell you uh, one quick thing that I like a lot. We talked a lot about the email integration because I think that's where a lot of the sexy resides with this. Um, but another neat thing is I like the nuanced uh, difference that, flow makes between the person who's doing the task or the person who like creates the task and a person who has been delegated the task and somebody who's merely following the task because i haven't seen other that probably exists in other places i haven't seen it yet if you're collaborating with your colleagues there's some kinds of stuff that you got to you know you got to like create the task other kinds of people got to do the task and some people just kind of want to know what's going on with the task so instead of like a bcc that goes out to everybody like like you're a douche instead you can just suggest that somebody follow the task so if i can create a task delegate it to squidward and say have you run, have you finished those errands and then i could also have um, a wiki or wilki mcwilkinson and you as followers of the task and suggest that you guys follow that task now when when squidward or me finishes that task they get a push notification on their device that says it's now finished they can also comment on the task. I like this because it's very lightweight in the best way possible. Uh, and it, it keeps you from not having to do, get in that Gantt chart-itis that we used to have to do back in the day. Oh, God, that's the worst. Do you remember that? Like, I would be, by Gantt charts. Dude, by the time the meeting ended, I was sitting there in Microsoft Project just, just weeping a little. And by the end of the meeting, the Gantt chart was already dead. It used to make me crazy. So anyway, please check out, uh, go to getflow.com and check it out. I, I really think this is a beautiful app. The thing that I haven't stressed because it's hard to stress without a visual reference is it's really freaking pretty. That's a kind of service mark on that. It's you, not we, could give, we can give them to that. that that's well, theirs. It's really, it's really freaking pretty, semicolon, just because Gruber hates them. It's not funky at all. Which is, <laughs> you know what? You work on that. That's a starter. You know what that is? That's a rough draft. You're an idea guy. It's onion paper and a very hard pencil. So <laughs> run with that. You know what I'm saying? It's like wax paper. Uh, please go to uh, learn more about Flow at GetFlow.com. Uh, you and your colleagues can sign up for this. I believe there's a, there's a, there's a free, uh, free period, like a, a several-day free period. And then it's, it's not terribly costly to work with. Um, have a look at it. It's wonderful. Uh, do you have anything else on that, Dan? Get Flow. 
Yeah, get, well, it's Flow. Well, but getflow.com. Getflow.com. Uh, thank you very much for uh, supporting 5 by 5 and back to work. Should we have music, do you think, running when we do the sponsor? Should we do, like, music behind there? I've got to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know how like I can Like something finish. like jazz, like smooth jazz. Oh, that's, I was just on a podcast that has very long music going in, like three minutes in the podcast. Listen, still listen, if there's more than five seconds of music before somebody starts talking, uh, I, I turn it off. Um, uh, even even if it's actually just a song, so uh, hypercritical and build and analyze like don't those both play for a pretty long time? You got well, the masterpiece we, theater thing. What do you mean? We, we talk over the music. Taco Bell's we talk what over the music. Okay, but uh, oh, if, if there's oh, just music playing oh, oh. and it takes like uh, two minutes before you actually hear somebody tell you what's going on, turn it right off. Especially when it's that crappy like techno, like. Like something somebody did in, in GarageBand. News headlines. <laughs> where did you get? Where did you get that? Uh, where did you get that Marco song? Where, what's that from? He doesn't even like that song. That's I don't why love I keep it. it. I, I don't love it, Dan. I wasn't going to say it, but you did. I don't love it. What's what is that song? I don't even know. I just randomly found something that was licensable and paid for it. Mm, you should go in and get some of those uh, <laughs> fake news brief things. The, the loops that they give you in GarageBand. It, it sounds like a breaking news thing. Yeah. <laughs> We, so. we, this, this podcast has the best music, though. Yeah, people have started asking about that since, my, uh, since people have just <laughs> – I, I worry about too much self-promotion, right? I, re- I, I try not to, but then again, this is my job. So really? You, like, you worry about that? <laughs> what's funny about that? Nothing. Go ahead, caller. Oh, my God. You think I promote myself too much? No, not enough. Oh, my God, Dan. I try so hard not to do that, but then I figure it's my job and stuff. And yet – so like, there's a Why would you I, try hard not to do that? People hate that. And you don't keep your powder dry. You know what I mean? But I wanted people to know about the MailChimp thing because I thought it was cool. And then everybody's coming out of the woodwork going, I didn't know Merlin could play guitar or whatever. And so you never know. Well, Every this is the problem. If you go to your website, if you go to yeah. MerlinMan.com, Picture. it does not give any indication of what really I think it does not. It's not a fair representation of you. You're saying I need an elevator pitch. You need something. What would you say? The guy, the guy Dan can I, can I redo the website for you? I, it would make me so happy. It's all on Squarespace. So all, it's all pure CSS. You don't have to. No, I don't mean the design. I mean the content. Oh, for the love of Pete. Like you know you, why? Because it's easier to write about somebody you admire than it is to write about yourself. Yeah, Dan. Dan, we had this conversation yesterday. Go ahead. Add it to your list. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Put it on your list. Capture that. <laughs> okay. What do you want to talk about this week, Dan? You tell me. No, you tell me. Remember, I'm not going to prepare anymore. Oh, okay. No, I can, I can prepare. I can tell you what people said in email and stuff. Let me think. People said, uh, D Sparks. D Sparks says that he thinks, I love this word. He says that we should vamp more. So that's a musician's term. Uh, we should vamp more on the idea of position of strength. He thought that was good, and I oh. got notes from that they thought that was good. That's one idea. When they say vamp, that doesn't mean like vampire? Like, vamp, mm, like could, have teeth could, or something? I think mostly vamp means keep playing the same chord sequence because the performer's drunk and they haven't come out yet. You have to vamp for a while. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of like improvising, but usually like over the same like, so we could just do that for like an hour. I, I would like talking about that. I thought that was good. I don't know how much we left off of that topic. We could definitely do more on that. Yeah. Uh, so the basic idea, do you, would you like to do that? Yeah, let's do it. Have you eaten, like, eaten any kind of a crumble in the last couple of years at all? Because I think you might be out of the loop on how good these things actually are. No, I have not. Do people complain when I eat or just Gruber? Just Gruber. I think people don't, they don't, they like you so much it doesn't matter. They're, not, not, looking, they're not. not looking for things to dislike. Very sweet of you to say, Nam. 
They tune. Think, they yeah. tune in, and you can do. I think you can do no wrong. You could hum like that the whole time, and people would. The show ratings would go up. I just passed my crumble. I'm so angry. I think. I think uh, Gruber can do no wrong. That guy's. You know, people love him. They love. They love to hate him. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. Don't tell him. Um, I'm not, I'm not familiar with position this of strength. The idea is. Um, just in terms, in terms of like 30 second um, rewind, I'm really intrigued in this idea of rather than trying to come up with uh, a suitable story for why things are the way they are. <clears throat> and I mean, this is obviously it's a theme of the show, right? Is instead of like pissing and moaning about stuff, like try to figure out what you can really change in, in a realistic way. Um, in a slightly more humane way than that, though, wherever you are, wherever you want to be, I think it benefits you to figure out what your position of strength is or can be. Now, you can define that in a lot of ways. One of the ways you can define that is to say, like, well, what is your value proposition, as douchebags say? Or you could say, you know, what do you bring to the table? But I think, I think what makes that interesting and nuanced is that most of us tend to think of ourselves as being a certain sort of person or having a certain kind of skill. And I think this is especially true, to be honest, in the U.S. Um, somebody once said um, that in Europe, people ask you what you're doing. And in the U.S., people ask you what you do. And, you know, I, that may sound like a subtle distinction, but I think it's true. I think in the U.S. we're so defined by our job that when we lose our job or when our job changes, or it's really easy to take a hit emotionally. We talked about this a lot in the last episode, yeah, but it's a yeah. very emotional thing when our job stops being the thing that we, that we loved or the thing, as I've said before, I think, I think people say they leave jobs because of money, but a real reason they leave jobs is because the culture doesn't work for them anymore. They don't feel like they're part of something anymore. But differently, people will put up with a lot for a long time if the culture makes sense to them. And I think when that stuff falls away, I mean, part of the great thing about a job is like you know what it is. You know you drive the same route every day. You walk in and see the same people every day. That can feel like a grind, but to a lot of people, I think that's very comforting to know that you're going to get that check. You're going to have those people. You know that you're, you're not going to have to think, rethink many, many components of this. And any time that we're threatened by having to rethink those components, think about any time you've heard rumors about, oh, there's going to be downsizing, Right. Um, <laughs> I'm just now thinking of Marco's impersonation. What is it? What does he say? So, <laughs> could you tell me uh, what is it you think you what is it you oh. do? <laughs> <laughs> what is it you do here? Yeah, <laughs> office space. Office space. You hear those rumors about downsizing, right sizing, whatever layoffs, and everybody gets so nervous and they start start chattering like a bunch of you know prairie dogs about what's going to happen. And think about how that makes you feel emotionally. You might get defensive, you might get angry, but what is it that's really happening is that there's a threat of change. Um, <laughs> it may not even be real. You don't know. I mean, there's no guarantee that anything, any of that stuff is ever going to stay the same, but I, I'll speak for myself. In the past, when I've felt those, uh, <laughs> the winds of change, as Randall the lizard would say, those winds of change blowing, it can be really, it can be really scary. And when we have to really consider the possibilities of being forcefully repotted, I, I think it can make us feel like we're in a position of weakness. You feel like a what? Like a sitting duck, right? You feel like if anything, you want to impress the right people or, you know, gra- you know uh, ingratiate yourself with people who might be in a position to save you or something like that. Um, I'm talking specifically here about having a, a you know, real, a real jobby job because I think that's what most people have. Yeah. The position of strength part to me becomes, okay, instead of thinking about this retroactively and saying, okay, well, I've had this job for a long time. Why, why did I keep this job? Well, that, that can be... Or why did you know? It's the same reason they hired you. The reason that you're still there, because if that's the case, I would think really hard about that. The, the position of strength part comes to me comes to where you say, okay, I have a hypothesis about about what I'm good at, why I'm good at it, and where I might be able to take those skills 
uh, or where, where I might be able to take that um, gestalt, you know, that package that I've mm. put together. And ideally, in the back to workish way, um, places where I could take that that would be gratifying to me or would make me happy or would challenge me or whatever it is that you're looking for in your next gig. I guess part of what I'm saying is I'm not sure that running to what appears to be a safe and secure thing, that's your impulse for really, really understandable reasons. But I think um, even if you're, while you're doing that, you still have to focus on what your true position of strength is. And that could be something you could think of as, yes, your skills, yes, your experience. We talked last week a little bit about barriers to entry. We want to talk a little bit more about that. But the, a position of strength to me is where there's an unassailable thing that you've got that not everybody has. And that could even be a bargaining position. If you have a product that nobody else has, like the guy who invented the pet rock, like I don't think he made that much money over 20 years because it was pretty easy to replicate. <clears throat> Rubik's Cubes, I mean, whether or not they had a, you know, a, a patent on them, you, I bought mine at the Wagon Wheel Flea Market in St. Pete. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pay $11 or whatever for a Rubik's Cube. I, I paid $3. For a while, that person had a competitive advantage, a barrier to entry. It's just that over time, all that stuff changes. Again, to go just beat up on the entertainment industry, the poor bastards in the entertainment industry, there was a time when you could rely on physical scarcity and legal enforcement to make people buy your record if they wanted it. Well, that model is becoming harder and harder to defend in much the same way. And I'm sorry if you disagree with that, but that's really my opinion. In the same way that you know Disney sued Sony over the Betamax, well, do you still feel that bad about stealing movies that you don't have a DVR today? Well, no, we all adapted because the technology changed. The same way that the guy at the buggy whip store might want to try and sue Ford for inventing cars. Stuff changes. And your position of strength in some ways requires you to ha have enough uh, foresight um, to look beyond even where you are now, to look to where you want to be a little bit in the future, and certainly not to rely completely on things you've done in the past. Um, so that's, that's some context for that. What, what do you think? When you think of a position of strength, Dan, what do you think of? Well, I think, I think that... That's exactly what it is. It, it's something that gives you the, the, I don't know if the right word is comfort or security, or it just gives you that place where you feel like you can, you can start branching. And see, that's, that's the thing that's kind of at the core of it for people. And I think, I think you're touching on something here that we've kind of reflected on in previous shows, especially where, where I was saying, you know, you can't have a side business, that kind of thing. Right, right. You know, I, I get, and I, and this is sort of how we started talking to, uh, Sparky about this stuff is that he was saying, you know, it, 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 here's all these different things that I do. And, and it sounds like he is in a, a position of strength to some degree, because if you're in that situation, if you're in that scenario, then you are, it's easier for you to try different things and without being, without being concerned about failing or without, uh, or, or, or knowing that, it's not so much a failure as it is a, a learning experience. Yeah, or not, be, or not being afraid that a failure, remember that we talked about that difference between a gamble and a risk. Right. Not feeling like any failure is, is going to be the end of, <laughs> end of the days. End, yeah, yeah, yeah. How important mm -hmm. that is. You know, there's also, there's also, have we ever, have we talked, serious question, have we talked yeah. about fear of success on this show? Yeah, once. Uh, you said you used to have it. You think you don't have it anymore? Right. And we talked about how that's not as much as that seems like a that's fine for us thing. It's actually not right. I, I totally agree. Well, I said this in an interview with Colin, um, Colin Marshall. I mentioned this last week. We'll, we'll put this. Remind me to put this in show notes. Um, there's a couple of things I want to mention from that. Um, uh, one of them is oh, I got into you know I get real emotional sometimes and I get into a rant. I don't know if you ever noticed that. I have not. Okay. <clears throat> and I was saying that you know if it's super easy for you to go oh you know. 
I'm not challenged. I mean, my job's great. You know, I've been here for this many years and it's no problem and I'm not scared of anything. I was hypothesizing that one conceivable reason that you're not scared is because you're not doing that interesting of a job. That if you're not a little bit scared about your job, well, why is it that we only become scared about our job when we feel like we're going to lose it? Wouldn't it be fun to feel a little bit tingly every day about how it's going to go today? Not that it could, not necessarily it's going to go bad, but that it could go any way. I think that's kind of what it means to feel alive in some ways. I'm not saying you want to worry about like, are you going to be able to pay the bills? I mean, it's nice to be able to pay the bills, but you know, I think a lot of us don't always take that big step back. And if you've never, to say you don't have fear of fear, oh, that's fine for Dan, you know, I, I think it's way more complicated than that. Because like we said last time when we discussed that, I think we agreed that fear of failure is really fear of change at the heart of it. That it requires, in the same way that really, uh, fear of success, fear of failure, all of those in some way track back to a fear of change. Is that fair to say? Definitely. And so when you say fear of success, you could really also mean you don't, you realize that you might have to change a lot about what you do. If you succeed, if you do get that raise, I feel like there's so many places I've worked, especially in service industries, where <laughs> very much like our favorite episode of SpongeBob. Yeah. So Mr. Krabs has to go to the hospital because he tore his hands off trying to get uh, 10 pennies out of the... Uh, out of the sink, he tore his hands off, so he put Squidward in charge. And then Squidward, of course, wants to go take the day off, hence the title of the episode, Squidward's Day Off. He says to SpongeBob, he's giving him a promotion. And so now SpongeBob has to make the Krabby Patties, and he has to manage the place. But there's no more money in it. So, so Sponge, SpongeBob's got all this extra work, but now he's the manager. Like Now his prestige basically consists of he has to run the entire place by himself. <laughs> and ha-ha, that's happened at so many places I've worked, where you go from being a swing manager to an assistant manager at McDonald's. And like you get so much more work for like an extra $1,000 a year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've, I've known people who have been, uh, you know, for an example, one person comes to mind, he's been working for probably 20 plus, maybe 30 years uh, doing, doing a job that is, you know, pretty much the same as it was when he started it. M- many, many, many times has he been essentially offered the promotion to to manager and his response i mean and he continues to get raises but his response has always been i've seen the managers i've seen the stress these guys have why would i want that mm-hmm. you know he's content to have a job that he en- enjoys doing and making you know maybe a little less less money but he doesn't have that responsibility he doesn't want it doesn't have it we ought is to talk in, about is he in tech is he in is no he tech guy? no this is what very kind of- much a, this is a he works as a pressman at a newspaper Okay, large national newspaper. Well, this is this is a theme we've touched on a couple times. I think we've both probably seen many times, which is the 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 tendency, and this is covered in a lot of books and in a lot of people's experience. But there's this there's a huge tendency in the world of tech, especially I think in development and you know system administration, really any of that stuff. That if if you have if you have this, the social skills and you have the administrative skills, like even, no matter how good a program you are, like they can always get more programmers, but it's really hard to find somebody who can manage programmers or manage, do you know what I mean? Manage tech people. So I've known so many people where the only way up, if you have any ambition at all or you want to do, you, you're still a programmer, but now you also manage people. That, that happens so much yeah. to where I, I don't think this is true anymore, but as of a few years ago, one of the rare places where that didn't happen was Google where Google supposedly had a separate practitioner track that was different from the management track, where you could move up and make more. I'm sure that happens. There's probably cases like, you know, at big companies of people who invented something amazing who get to do whatever they want. They're probably closer to fellows in a lot of cases. But, Mm. you know, if you're somebody who's worked there for three years and you want to move up, it's not like you're going to become 
I guess, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if that's accurate, Dan, but in my experience, a lot of people who become tech people don't do it because they love hanging out with other people. They do it because they like shipping a certain kind of thing. And, but but that's a, that also goes to a larger pattern, which is this thing of like the, 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 the SpongeBob SquarePants problem. Josh. Which, which is you, you have the same amount of work, but now you've got more work. And so, yeah, you've got this, congratulations, here's your second hat, SpongeBob. You know, where you've got to do, I mean, and the thing is, this is another funny thing that a lot of, you know, worker bees don't always know, is that a lot of times your boss, whether you like them or not, your boss doesn't just manage you. You see that person as the person who manages you. They're also dealing with people over their head, and they've probably got their own work to do, right? They've got their own stuff they've got to make. When you manage programmers, you've still got to make code or review code or do stuff. Um, so, so when we talk about, to get back to the original point of fear of failure, fear of success, I wonder if there's some, I hate, this, I hate that word, subliminal, especially in, did you read The Shining thing? Did you read that thing? Yeah, we got to, oh, I don't know if we oh, can we talk, gotta about talk about something. that sometime. Because yeah, that's that guy, so wacky. Give guys some help. We that's need wacky. Get, it's so wacky. So his use of the word subliminal just set my teeth on edge. Oh. Subconscious, I think is what he meant. Mm. Uh, you got subliminal, you got unconscious, you got subconscious. I think on a subconscious level, we realize things that our conscious mind does not realize. I'm sorry to think it sound all floopy about this, but I think that's really true. Have you ever had things where, for me, like it could be writing a song, it could be making a change in my work, but there'll be something where it's, Dan, doing the show with you, that's been was percolating on my brain for at least six months, and it just happened to be that one Sunday I went, I have to do this thing. Well, how did I know? Well, something yeah. happened. On a subconscious level, I was figuring something out. This is actually a really big problem-solving thing. We talked about that one time. We mentioned like, hey, tell yourself that when you wake up Saturday morning, you're going to realize something. There's all kinds of, I don't know if there's research behind this, but I think there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that that kind of stuff can work. That if you tell your brain, make a decision, and I'm not going to think about it, just go make a decision, your brain will percolate on it. Somebody had a great post. I wish I could, somebody in, in nerds, if you could help me find this, there's a post within the last two weeks somebody wrote about um, somebody's father giving them advice to start on a project the second that you get it work on it for an hour and then even if it's not due for a year at least work on it for an hour because your brain will start trying to solve that problem unconsciously so let me let me ask you do you work yeah. i find i work much better that way if i have if i have something on my mind or if i have you know i need to make a decision or i need to solve a problem or something i actually do better to not think about it to not i mean i'm not saying don't work on it for an hour or whatever but like like if something is going like you're saying tell your brain to think about it tell your brain to come up with a solution whatever right do do you better like if you went and like uh, you know and a, a weird example might be like pick a new desktop background for a while or go and like write something if if you're you know you know or or go for a walk or do or watch a show or whatever it is that you do listen in your case listen to music you know whatever it is that takes your mind off of thinking about that and then when you come back to it there's the answer Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an artful thing, as you would say. Um, cause yes, I, to- I, w- I would say that. <laughs> I love that phrase here. That's a, or it's a black art. There's another one of yours. I like black arts, yeah. It's a, bla- it's a black art. I, I like when you say that. You like black art? I like that. It's a black art. It is a black art. Um, because here, here's the funny thing is you, this is the classic annoying back to work thing, right? Like it's hard to, there's no secret formula for that. It's hard to know how much to think, except that here are the parameters for that recipe, I think, which is to, if you've got a problem you're working on and are we, are we off track? We're kind of off track, aren't we? We're a little off for track. For this show? No. Hmm. Okay. Capture that. I think, I think, <laughs> I think you have to, you have to know yourself and you have to know how you solve problems. 
Uh, and I think for, I don't know, I'll speak for myself. For me, that is definitely a strategy, which is to say, this is a rally, not a race. Hmm. Um, my, my, my stupid procrastinating brain will always try and put things off to the last minute. But, but in the run up to that last minute, I'll do everything in the world to avoid actually working on it. And I'll, but I'll think about it a lot. Sometimes this is an anti-powder. I'll think about it, think about it, think about it, but I won't do anything. And I get really like, Ooh, I get really stressed out about it, but I never actually, not never, but I, what I, what I need to always remember and realize is that sitting down and really working on it with single-minded focus will be way better than just thinking about it. And sorry to always fall back on this exercise thing, but you know, you ever get into like a diet or an exercise plan or some kind of new self-help thing you get into? And I used to be like this when I was, especially when I was younger, is I would want to do it 100%. Mm. But it's like being married. It's like you can't bank up credits at being awesome. Like you're going to have to be awesome a little bit every day. Like at least with most of the people in my life, especially ladies, like remembering to always take the trash out with being asked is a lot more useful than taking out the trash 11 times in one day. That you don't get extra credit for that. <laughs> and I think the same is true with problem solving in work. You know, um, like if you're going to start jogging, running, doing exercise, whatever you do, you've got some kind of paleo uh, fitness plan that you're on. Right. So you won't hurt your knees or whatever. Right. But, but the thing is, the real key is to, to do that a little bit every day which is such an unsatisfying answer. But I think the same is true with problem solving, even if you don't do it every day. If you have an initial cut at it, you know, to at least survey all the data, look over what you've got. And what's an example of this? For, in my case, it might be something I have to write. Like I've got an assignment for, for you know, a magazine or something, a short piece. Like it'll really help me a lot. You know, I'll do really dumb stuff. I'll sit there in a text editor and I have 100 words of lorem ipsum text in my text expander. So I'll just blow out what 700 words would look like. And I'll go, okay, I have to write about that much. Hmm. That means that would be about three subheads. This sounds like procrastination. No, I was just, that's it, actually really cool. Well, if it's day zero of that project, it's not procrastination yet. It's procrastination if I'm doing that on the last day and then trying to pick a new font. Uh, in that case, if I think about that a little bit, and, and to tell you the truth, I have a really specific use case for this, which is um, I've started always trying to leave at least half an hour between phone calls and meetings and stuff. First of all, I try to never have a phone call or a meeting closer than an hour to when I have to be home because it just stresses me out to go straight from that to home. But also between calls. Like I can't go from call to call to call to call to call. Like, if I have a call with somebody, there will always, always, always be action items, if you like, for me. Like, after this show, I'll have action items. I've already got, like, three things I've got a link to that I've written down, right? So if I go straight from this to, like, having, having to have a, a call with somebody at, like, 1235, which would be about, you know, what, 40 minutes from now. If I have to do that, like, wow, that's going to be really stressful for me. So what I try to do is always leave time. Sometimes I'll even use the notes field in Google Calendar to start capturing stuff I have to do. It's an old thing I started doing when I was a project manager. It's like nobody leaves the room until I've emailed you all of what you have to do. Here's the notes from the meeting. Here's what you have to do. Because if I don't do it now, I might as well never do it. And if I'm starting a new project or trying to like um, jumpstart a project that's gone a little bit stale, for me, just even sitting down, and for me, the classic is three bullets, right? <laughs> just get three bullets about something. So if it's an article I'm writing, what's my three bullets? Well, here are the three things that I'm pretty sure I want to say. Now, I, now, I'm smart, right? Those are in my brain. I know they're there. But how much better is it for me to actually write it down? It's a somewhat getting things done-esque idea, but I think it's just intelligent, creative work in some ways. So to your point, though, Dan, doing that the second it arrives, this is the worst way to attract procrastination is not immediately doing a little bit of something. You know, you think you're going to remember that. It's like those seven digits on a piece of paper that you find in your house. There's no way you'd ever forget what those are. Yeah, right. You do your brain a big favor if you do two things. Um, second, do the thing with capturing in bullets. Like, what are three big points I want to make? What are three things I have to do? Whatever, at least, you know what I mean? Don't write down everything. That's too much of a data overload. But just capture 
all of your immediate notes from that. But then number one, uh, a trick I learned from Ethan Schoonover, write a task for yourself as though you were assigning it to someone else. So instead of going Macworld email article, well, like, what's that mean? And so my, the task I might give myself should be um, brainstorm four titles for Macworld uh, article. Mm. Do you follow? I do. And so the way Ethan, Ethan is the guy who, who uh, developed Kinkless Getting Things Done, the thing that would turn into OmniFocus eventually. Um, through a very circuitous route, but I mean, of course, they built the code all themselves. But the notion is that um, if you act like you're writing it for somebody intelligent who kind of understands your job, um, you're better off than just going noun. <laughs> You'll never remember what noun means. You know, you think you will. But your brain will be a little bit happier if you've offloaded that administrative stuff and into what David Allen would call a trusted system, which, which, as I say, can just be bullets. You know, it's funny, Dan. You know, I told you I got one of those tongles last thing. I told you I got one of those tongles yeah. finally. And if you go to my page, which you can figure out, but I'm not going to link to, it says in the side rail. I mean, this is, of course, I'm the fancy guy, right? So never do what I do. Um, I've got to get a quieter keyboard. I wish I could get a keyboard this good that wasn't loud. But basically it says, hey, you know, if you're going to, this says hi if you want to call or meet with me. Number one, use a great descriptive title for the event. Number two, introduce yourself. Number three, share your phone number. Number four, provide a three to five bullet agenda for our visit. I think if everybody did that, it would be a happy world. And frankly, that's what I, the, 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 the title, the uh, slight description, skip the phone number, and three to five bullets. Like for me, that's, that's ape law. Like, I just, I just do that. I, I try to capture three bullets on something because that's when it's freshest in your mind. When I get off the call, when I get out of the meeting, as soon as I'm done with the podcast, I have a window of about 20 minutes where my brain is still engaged with that. But, like, after I go out and eat my glutens, if I haven't at least gotten started on the stuff I need to do, like, I have to do a pre-roll after this for the show, right? I've got to do that. I've got to do some show notes stuff. I've, you know, all the little administrative things, right? Get, get Josh's help with the title and the description, right? All that stuff. Yeah. Like, if I wait two hours to do that, not only is the podcast going to be delayed, but it's not going to be as fresh in my mind as it is right now. Do you know? Uh, boy, that's really circuitous. But it gets to, I think, uh, stop me after this. I think it gets to a really basic point in the middle of this, though, which is we talk about the unconscious, the, 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 the conscious, the subliminal, the whatever. I think we have way too much trust in some part of our brain that doesn't work as well as we assume it does. I know I feel that way. I assume that my brain makes a great whiteboard and my brain makes a great alarm clock. And it's, I can just count on my smart liberal arts educated brain to go out and do all this stuff for me. When in fact, it's a creative organ. The job of my, the job of my brain is to notice things, tell stories and try to understand life. That's what its job is. Its job is not to remember that I haven't taken Josh's show notes and turned it into a thing yet. Right. And, and that's where, I mean, I've, I've, I've been, some would say pimping, getting things done for going on seven, eight years now. Yeah. The reason for that is that that system has really worked for how my, not every part of it. I don't do anything near a full getting things done implementation. But what I found so rousing about it when I first got into it and still find rousing is the way that it gives you a scaffolding, right? The building is all yours to make, but this is a scaffolding that works. You don't want to spend all day fiddling with the scaffolding. Otherwise, you'll never have a building. You'll just have more scaffolding. But it really does give you an infrastructure for making what you need to make. If you can't make that work, then I don't know why you bother. But it gets you out of this business of feeling like your job is all metacrap. And because once you find a place and a way and a method for that metacrap, then your subconscious, your unconscious, your subliminal, whatever the hell you want to call it, feels free to do good stuff. And as David Allen says, it gives you better ideas because you know where to put them. I know when I have an idea where it goes. It, you know, it goes in this little notebook or it goes in this text file, depending on, you know. I, but I know where it goes. I don't have to sit there and, you know, 
like feel the stress of wondering, will I hold this in my brain until I have time to do it? That's the craziest idea. Like, where's the last place in the world that it occurs to you that, that you need toilet paper? Well, I remember we need toilet paper when I'm sitting on the john. It's not the highest thing I'm thinking of when I walk into the Safeway. Well, why wouldn't I write that down <laughs> when I'm sitting there? I got my phone, right? <laughs> At the Safeway. Yeah. Do you follow? I do. Do you like how I tied all that together? I did. Yeah. Are you enjoying this episode? I can't tell anymore. I really can't tell. I'm, well, that's because I enjoy all of them. Yeah. Have you heard about this thing called Wufu? Wufu is a site run by monkeys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they were acquired by a monkey, a very curious monkey. The Curious George acquired them. Yeah. In the Great, in the great Man in the Yellow Hat takeover of uh, 2000 and something. I, lo- I love Wufu. This is one of the uh, once in a while we get it. Well, not once in a while on this show, all the time. But once in a while, for me, I get to talk about a sponsor that I, I really use the heck out of their service, and I really love them. And Wufu is, yeah, Wufu is really a, one of them. In a nut, it's a it's a way of creating and managing um, forms for the web, but also managing all that data. And uh, what I what I like to talk about with your help this week is to talk a little bit about what you can do with that data. Well, first of all, let's get it out of the way. The most important part, which is that it's super easy to use. There's a wonderful drag and drop interface. Uh, you can have multiple forms. Like every time I make big changes to my form, I always make a backup just in case I want to roll back to it. But it's really as simple as doing a bunch of stuff on their cool website, and then you can get like a little embed thing for dropping it anywhere. My Squarespace site has a Wufu form on it. Right. I mean, I use this stuff. <laughs> I haven't found anything as easy to use as Wufu. But uh, can we talk about notifications? Notifications are great. What you can do with notifications is is really cool because you go and you create. I mean, typically, what you're doing is you're you're making some. They call it a form, but it's a lot more than just a form. You you really have very very a lot detailed, of functionality. Yeah, I mean, you can you can accept payments. You can do surveys. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to just do. drag fields and name them basically. But when when what you can do is you can go in and set up these notifications because what obviously what you want to do is you want to know what's going on with your form. So if if it's something as simple as a contact form. Maybe you, you want the notification to just send you, a, you know, whatever's, whatever's happened. Somebody's going to enter in some information. You, they'll send it to you. That's easy, right? right? But you can do a lot more. You can have it send it to your mobile device, for example. You could have it uh, send you an, an alert when a certain kind of That's notification right. has taken place. But there's also integration that it can do other things. It could tweet about yeah. it for you. It could send it to MailChimp. It could send it into Campfire so that everybody Campaign in the chat room... Monitor, HiRise, Notifo, FreshBooks, Salesforce, Pure Webhooks, which are insane, SendLoop, Heap, Torch, and ZFurl. Yeah. That's just a few examples a of few. what you can send this to. You go in and you can create multiple notifications. The obvious one, as Dan said, you hit a button and you create an email notification. So every time that form's filled out, as when you nerds are nice enough to write us, that makes a beautifully formatted thing and sends it to our email address. That's, that's the basic. But to understand, though, that's not the only place that goes. That's a notification. Right. The actual data is all residing in their, in their cool little data set. Right. Um, you can create one, as you say, that SMSs you. And you can even have conditions where certain kinds of things happen. But the sexy one for me is, uh, what's it called? It's the big, um, I, I use the Webhooks version. And Webhooks is a way where you go in and you could say when somebody says first, fills in first name here, that also is first name in this kind of site. It's a um, JSON uh, tech-based technology, is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And it basically lets you push, you know, it's the future. These kids, these APIs are the future. But even if it's something like your high rise, if you're using that for CRM, it pushes it in there. Campaign Monitor, MailChimp, I hear these are good companies. Now, there's, um, one, there's one more thing I want to mention. Yes. Uh, and that's something that people don't often know about. It's, they say, well, great, notifications are cool, but w- what if I have uh, different rules that I want to apply? What if, what if, for example, you have a contact form like we do, and you have a whole bunch of different shows like we do, 
Yeah. And I don't think you need to get emails about uh, Squidward's show, and he doesn't want emails about your show. So, so how, do you, how do you control it? Well, you go into the rule builder, and you pick form rules, and you can key off of any one of the items in the form, any one of the fields or blanks or radio boxes or whatever that are in the fields that you have created for your form, the form rules will pick off of those, key off of those, and you can set up conditions. And you can say, if they answered this question this way, do send this email or redirect them to a website or show them a message. And you can also do the same thing with a page. Like you can have certain options hidden on your form. And if they check a box, it becomes unhidden. And then they're prompted to answer those questions and vice versa. It's like choose your own adventure books. You remember those books? I, I do. I used to love those. It's just like I, 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 but that's what I do on mine. I have three radio buttons. Are you just saying hi? Do you want to hire me or do you want to interview me? And when you hit the default, which is say hi, it's a very small number of things. If you hit you want to hire me, you get a whole bunch more fields to fill in because I need some information for that. And it works great. And like you say, I mean, I have hidden fields that will send me some kind of you know, little secret juju that will help me give me an idea how likely this person is to actually want to work with me. Um, it's nothing dangerous. It's just a way of saying like this is what they said their budget is and stuff. It's, it's, it's the best. And um, you know, you know, Dan, I believe in attacking banner blindness. It's a shame when, when, when you hear, hear these names and it's just another funny internet name. I'm just here to tell you, like, you may need this more than you think. If you're doing a lot of heavy lifting with your softball team or your church group or something like that, this is the kind of thing that can make your life a lot easier. Because all you got to do is go make this form, you drop it in wherever you want, any place that'll, I don't want to speak for them, but any place that'll handle normal old code, you drop it in and you're good to go. And, and I believe to my knowledge, if you go and make changes to that form back on the Wufu site, you don't need to re-update that code. So you're, you're in good shape as long as that embed code is the same. Is that accurate? Yep. Yeah. So that's sexy. Anyway, we, we're going on. But we really do like these guys, and we're very happy to have them. We're very lucky to uh, have sponsors uh, that are making stuff we love. So thank you to uh, Wufu. It's wufu.com. We don't, do we have a code for them? I don't think we have a code for five. them. Five. Five. <laughs> Just, you know what? Go to Wufu and enter five. Yeah. In the blank. <laughs> <laughs> My Firefox is down. <laughs> I get the same thing as Syracuse. I, I, get, I get family members who say things like, my Firefox is down. Yeah. Or at least she's on Firefox. So thank you very much to Wufu and Firefox, really, and, and really everybody who's ever... Is Firefox sponsoring now? If they did, it would be very slow. And it would look like Windows. Yeah. Even Up. on your Mac. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to give you the kitty cat noise for that I one. I like that. Dan, what do you want to talk about now? Do you want to talk more about this? I've talked a lot. And you remember Wardell said I should let you talk. War, is it Ward, Wardell? Wardell. W-A-R. Asking for clarification. D-Y-L. He sold, he sold me this poison I'm eating. This mm, 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 very, very crumble I'm eating. He probably doesn't know you're trying to avoid that, though. Would you rather I eat fruit like Rubes? I'd I'd rather you if if it was between something with gluten in it or fruit. Yeah, I would tell you, I would say fruit. Okay, listen. Here's the thing. Next week, I'm gonna eat a flat iron steak on the air. <laughs> that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I put a little bit of Mrs. Dash on there, and I'm allowed to have that. There's no gluten in Mrs. Dash, right? I don't know for sure. Banner blindness, Dan. People hear that name, Mrs. Dash, and they don't try it. It's full of herbs and it's delicious, and there's no salt. It's delicious. If you're worried about your sodium, our thanks to Mrs. Dash for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Can we do that? Could we make up a sponsor, give someone a sponsorship, even if they're not? I would love that so much. Like, would that win you their their loyalty and their Oh, we get them into it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. We should do that. Yeah. What about Windows Live? They still do that? We should do Windows Live. <laughs> I call it Windows Live. <laughs> like Libra. 
Did you ever have one of those on your car, the bra? I never had a car that deserved it. The 626 did not deserve a bra. When did they stop doing that, putting the bra on the front of the car? I don't know. When people could afford BMWs, I guess. <laughs> this is what they call it the douche upgrade. What is it about a black BMW? Do they test you? Is there, they make you cover one eye and then like... Mine, I had a black BMW. Oh, come on. Yeah. This is before you were sitting? Yes. See? And it mm-hmm. was, uh, it had a special interior. What series? What series? Three. Okay, I don't know what that means. Is that fancy? That's the entry level. Oh, that's the starter design. one. <laughs> There's the entry level BMW. <laughs> what was the salesperson? It like? was, Do you the, remember? it was, you know, they had the 3G and then the 3GS. BMW 3GS. Oh, okay. And then four is the one where they had the square fenders. Yes. Okay. All right. And they, they, they never worked with those. Salesperson right? could care less whether I bought the car or not. They didn't, he didn't need the sale. Didn't need the sale. You don't need my sale, Dan. You told me so yesterday. No, you maybe, you know, maybe if I was looking at You this. can walk away today. You know what, sir? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and walk away. Come back in a month. Yeah. Yeah. If you I know, was this fat, is, this like is our inventory. This is what we've got in stock. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what's coming in next month. I never said it last week, but that's what I was saying about the Miata uh, when we got derailed with our uh, Mazda talk. Do you remember like when you go in and say, well, so what kind of deal can you cut me on a Miata? And they go, nice try. Like, first of all, you're going to order this. <laughs> you're going to pay us ahead of time for it. And then when it gets here, we'll let you know. Do you remember how in-demand Miatas were? Yeah, and you know what was cool about the Miata? Hmm. When you wanted to pop the, the hood down, you would just reach your hand up, flip the switch, boom, the whole thing would just fly right, drop right down behind you. While you're driving? Well, I guess, yeah. I only did it in a parking lot, but... Hmm. Hmm. You ever, you ever drive a Javelin, an AMC Javelin? Is that Starsky and Hutch? No, I don't think they... My grandma, I think my grandma had a Javelin. My dad, my had, a, my dad my had a Gremlin at one point. Oh, God, that's a wagon. It was a low... My, my grandfather a owned a, a Nash dealership that became an AMC dealership. So my family, uh, my father's side of the family, mostly drove lamentable AMCs, which were cool for a while. AMCs were pretty bad for a while. Now, you had a Gremlin. Was it green? It was. <laughs> of course it was. And I remember Damn, when he bought it. Well, listen to this. Listen to this. And to talk about talk about the 1970s yeah. different from today. They had uh, a, 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 a. This is the weirdest thing. I'll never forget this. It's the weirdest memory I have from my entire childhood. He bought this Gremlin, and he had, you know, they have. Uh, they would they would give you a license plate, right? And I don't. I, I think they had. He had his permanent license plate, and they had tied a little string like some twine to each side of the hole in the top of the license plate, right? So that so that so that it was like you could hang almost as if you could hang it on a wall, and they said, "Danny, sit in the back seat and h- use your finger to hook the twine and hold this up in the back, so that the people can see it from the back window." And I rode in the back seat, not in the back seat, but the back of the the Gremlin, no seatbelts or anything back there, and held this swing swinging like a pendulum, held this license plate up there. So that in case a policeman saw it, they would see that we indeed did have a license plate. How weird is that? Wait a minute. Why didn't you just screw it on? They didn't have a tool or whatever. They were going from the dealership to, I don't know. That's a weird Isn't memory. That weird? Like somehow, somehow seeing a kid in the back holding up a license plate. Who asked a kid to do that? That's real Bonnie and Clyde weird? type situation. That's, That's really weird. weird. That was a weird decade. Those were around forever. Boy, I remember still being in like high school and, and early college, and you still see Pacers. Well, I thought you were in high school in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
positions of strength. So what do we tell people in terms of practicality? Um, is there any how, do you, how do you get into a position of strength? Um, this goes somewhere are, you, are you in a position of strength? Seldom. Very seldom. But you know what? There's this thing. Um, An hour a day? There's this thing Jordan Morris told me about called uh, the Alexander Method. I keep meaning to look into. Lots of dancers and performers do it. But uh, this Alexander Method, it's all about, um, not all about, but has a lot to do with eh, this belief that you can improve your health, but also you can improve your voice and your performances by improving your posture and by having your head kind of sit on your neck in the right position. And uh, he recommended, he said, uh, our podcast, live podcast would be better if I learned the Alexander Method. So I was, I was checking it out. It's really interesting, but it does make me think a lot about posture and think a lot about how you carry yourself. And sometimes if I'm feeling like I don't have a position of strength, if I'm feeling low, if I'm feeling like menaced by life, I'll notice, this sounds really weird, but I'll notice my posture and I'll notice I'm slumping, my head's down, I'm staring at the phone or something and I'm like, wait a minute, like not that it sounds like something from the 19th century, but like improve your posture and your life will come in line. And I'm not saying that, but like I think about how, my, how I carry myself. And I'm like, I'm not carrying myself like somebody who's in a position of strength. I'm carrying myself like somebody who's waiting to get hit with a sock full of pennies, you know? And I think there's a way you can physically improve. And I, I, I got to tell you, I think if you improve your posture a little bit and you walk a little bit taller, you will instantly start feeling better. If you yeah, focus on breathing a little bit, you will feel better. Yeah. But Consider how you might be able to do that mentally. I don't know how you would do that or emotionally, but sometimes when I find myself feeling, I don't want to say depressed, but where I'm like feeling down, I'll go, what could be your position of strength right now? Like what is actually, what is going well? What am I doing okay? What could I be doing better? And instead of trying to, and for myself, I'll realize I'm feeling like a victim or not a victim, but you know what I mean, right? Like it's everybody else's fault that things are the way they are. And I'll start to think like, what could I, what could I perceive differently that would help me find a position of strength? It may not be something I can generate, you know, there's no magic pill for this, but part of it is I think getting out of whatever has gotten you to feeling like you don't have a position of strength. And the thing is, a position of strength is contextual. It's going to have to do with where you are, who you are, what you're doing, what time it is. Again, to, to just beat that, that analogy to death, the, you know, buggy whip has become a cliche for talking about anything that's outmoded. But it's true. I mean, there was a time, you go back and read what people said, people, they, people were like lobbying against cars because they're like, you're going to scare the horses, right? You're going to run all these places out of business. And my hand to God, I know you think this is really extreme, but there were people who were like, you're going to ruin the city with these cars. And I guess arguably you have. But the point being, like, you can't stop the march of technology by making like a lot of excuses. Instead, you could try to be a little more clear-eyed about it. And instead of being sad about how you're not a buggy whip salesman anymore, you know, look forward a little. I said this last week, but I'm just saying for myself, and this is, I guess, personal on some level, but sometimes if I'm feeling bad about myself and I'm feeling like I'm not in a position of strength, I try to be a little more mindful about how I'm carrying myself and how I'm thinking. And I start to realize that that too much negative thinking, too much um, self-involved thinking, too much like obsessing over my problems is actually not helping. And in my case, to tell you the truth, same way that I should have, quote unquote, been writing that goddamn book all the time. At one point I said, hey, you know what my position of strength is? I love doing stuff with Dan. I love doing podcasts. I'm going to do that. There's some days now where I go, like, instead of sitting around doing something I half want to do, like, out of obligation, I'll think maybe I should, I should write a song, like I'm writing a new song right now. Stuff like that. That sounds weird. I know not everybody can do that. But you can do that at work. Instead of going, like, how do I grind myself further down into this job that might be going away, you might say, like, well, what if I were to be a little more ambitious about if I carry myself a little better, can I think somewhere two levels above where I am or two levels further to the right or left of where I am? I think a lateral move can be super interesting. You don't have to move up. You don't have to move down. I think moving laterally can be a great move. But 
that's a very mushy thing to suggest. But I think the way you carry yourself and the way you choose to perceive things can have a huge difference. Vis-a-vis, it's going to be hard for you to have a really good sense of what your position of strength is if you're kind of secretly talking yourself into not having that position of strength. I don't know if that completely makes sense. I could think of examples of this. Like, like what? I'm constantly talking about, for me, the idea of getting a job. And forgive me, because I, like I say, I haven't applied for a real job in a while. But when I did, I would find that I got the best leads from my friends. And I got the best leads from friends of friends. I got, I got leads from like people I'd met in a bar. You know what I mean? It wasn't that I sat there and cold called a bunch of companies and they said, oh, that sounds great. Really? You know how to make web pages? Well, by all means, come in. It was much more of like knowing a friend and going, oh, that guy's fun. He could work here. That wouldn't be such a bad thing. Right? It's a little bit lizard brainy though, right? Because there's this part of you that's going like, I've got to go paper the waterfront. Well, that's, you're really dissipating. um, What's the word I'm looking for? You're um, watering down your efforts by, by putting them too broadly. In my case, like, that was the people who were most enthusiastic to go, oh my gosh, friend of Pete Butler's is, in, is a friend of mine. Come on in and let's talk. Hi, Pete. I know you listen sometimes. Great guy. But people like that. You know what I mean, Dan? That's, that was a position of strength for me was instead of sitting there going like, who's going to notice my fairly generic skill? Instead, maybe who's going to notice that I'm pals with somebody who's cool and that's going to get me more likely to get me an interview. It could be something, again, it's a people-related thing. And I hate that word networking. It's networking. Cheesy. Networking, like I said before, I think networking Glad is... handing. Doing favors without expecting anything in return is what networking should be. It should not be handing your card to people and saying, come to my blog. Like, who cares? Right. Networking, really about- networking in the true sense of networking, not in the glad-handing, schmoozing. I think that's what it's come to mean. I think people, you know... I'm, network- I'm networking. Well, I'm networking. I've met like, 20 yeah, different people. We- I handed out all my business cards. Yeah, handed them all out. Look at Gave that. Them all away. Modern- Those are Avery. You know, that... You because can see that, the this perforations. One's, here, here, take this card, but let me write down my number on the back. That's my old number on the front. Listen, the latest episode of my <laughs> – no, that's it's interesting. I'm glad you're doing that. Um, da, 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 the correct correct so, me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but yes. if I kill all the golfers, they'll lock me up and throw away the key. Golfers! <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> you over there on Briar? You have two. I just you know, come over there, Tom. You got a pool? You got a pool or a pond. A pond, pond would be good for you. Pool, pool. Um, I am struggling to get my head around this because it keeps coming back to sounding like something, something people. And I, I don't mean to sound that cheesy, but when your brain starts turning inward and starts consuming itself with negativity and like trying to think yourself out of the thing you're never going to think yourself out of, it gets, it, it's almost like it starts eating itself. I really think you emotionally start eating yourself. So first of all, at a high level, it doesn't help to turn, it doesn't hurt to turn some of that effort outward. And so that could be just meeting with people for coffee to talk about what you're looking for. You know, you may realize that you're a lot sadder about that than you realized. And once you realize that, you may become less sad. (laughs) Otherwise, it may just percolate. But you can also, I just think that you're better off, rather than turning inward and holding your breath and getting tight and slumping and all the things that make you feel protected, try to start thinking bigger and opener and wider. And like, how do I make my world bigger instead of smaller? I I can think of half a dozen examples of this for myself, including things like this podcast, where I went, well, I can sit here and hunker down and feel bad about this in solitude, or I can open up bigger. I can start doing interviews with people. I can do projects. By the way, I have to say about our project. The project. The project's already three quarters done, Dan. Oh my, really? Oh yeah, in one day. Oh, whoa. Oh yeah. Um, it's going to be good. And so, uh, but no, but that was an example. I came up with this. You guys will know what this is in um, six weeks. Um, well, you know, you'll know. Anyway, point being, I had this cool idea. Dan said, do it. And now I'm doing it. And now it's this thing I'm really excited about. And like, but it required, it required going outside 
of what I'm doing. I could have just thought about this thing I wanted to do. The rock opera, again, maybe that's the bookend for this. The rock opera was not a bad idea. It's certainly not, it's no wish you were here by any stretch. It's no pinball wizard, but uh, no, um, what is the name of that? Tommy? Is that what it's called? Tommy is the rock opera that, that was, uh, was what the pinball called. wizard is the song. Yeah, that Uncle Learning thing's creepy. But it's not, I'm not saying it's like good like that, but like it, that was good for me. And I'm really glad I did it. And it required something that at the time seemed completely bananas, which was saying to somebody, hey, here's this thing I haven't done in years using this medium <laughs> I don't really understand. And, uh, and I'm really happy with how it turned out. I'm really glad I, I, I got outside of myself for that. So I don't know if that's a position of strength now. I hope it is. I hope that's a thing somebody else will, will, will pay us to do again because I think it's cool. I, I'm just being honest with you. I could do it. I'm, I'm going to start working on the rap thing myself, whether people want it or not, but I hope somebody sponsors it. But even if they don't, it got me going with that again. Now, if I'd sat around and gone like, oh, I don't have a copy of Logic. I can't get started on this yet. <laughs> or like, oh, who's going to pay for this? Well, probably nobody. <laughs> like, you know, I think... Whether even if you're not getting ready for a race, it still helps to run. If nothing else, it gets you outside your house. And in this instance, you know, in that Dan, we're touching on. I'm touching on something here that I think is important. I should just say it, which is that when you're feeling down about not having a job or not being in the job you want, it's so depressing, right? I mean, it's and it's like a positive feedback loop. It gets worse and worse and worse until you're just consumed by how much you suck. And, like, it's so hard to get started with any of that while you're feeling that down. And hearing this BS from me is probably not helping. But somewhere in there, there will be a day where it becomes less worse. And something will feel a little different. And you'll put on, a, uh, put on new underwear and a clean pair of pants and you'll walk somewhere. You know? I just think there's an element of, like, kind of – that really almost touches on depression. When you're, when you're, even if you're not a, you know um, – if you're not like a uh, melancholy sort of person, I think it's really depressing to not have a job or not have a job you like. And I think it really builds up. Do you? You just you've left, haven't you? Faith is just sitting there holding the knob down. Is that right? I told her, I told you Faith, Faith could do the show, but no, I'm listening to you. What's that mean? I said, I said, if I needed to, you know, run out or something, I just, you know, Faith could do it. Have you urinated during this recording? No. no I'm saying course. if I needed to. <laughs> Not as far as you know. Right, <laughs> not as far as you know. <laughs> are you, was, are you uh, in a position of strength? With whom? In, with yourself. It depends. It depends on the day. It depends on the person. It depends on a lot. So when you, when you talk about this, you're not saying that, that, that the goal shouldn't be... The goal shouldn't be to achieve a position of strength and maintain that at all times in all circumstances. But, but, but that's like, I mean, that's, that's like You're saying to, that's like impossible. That's like trying to maintain a good dinner. <laughs> you're going to have that for one evening, but then it's going to be poop. Like, the thing is, you can't, a position of strength is a dynamic animal. That's, it's going to involve so many different things because, and I'm having a hard time defining what I mean by that. But like pornography, as Justice Potter says, you know it when you see it. Or was that, was that Colonel Potter? I forget. You're talking about MASH. You got MASH. Okay, sorry about that. You're, I think thinking, of, you're thinking of radar. You're thinking of dragnet. Oh, you're talking about the uh, the Tim O'Reilly thing or the Apple thing? No, you're no, you're. Th- that's Ardar on the Apple thing. You're thinking about radar from Mash. I thought that was so clever when they named it O'Reilly Radar. I thought that was about the funniest thing I'd ever seen. But Klinger, did you write for? I love Klinger. I thought he got a little broad at one point, so to speak. <laughs> did you see that Joan Rivers documentary? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't seen that. <sighs> Man, it's a tough watch. She was great on Louie a couple weeks ago, but... Faith is watch. nodding her head. What is this? What is this thing? Do I need to see this? Faith? 
No, I don't like that that's the one that I've seen like in this conversation. Oh, yeah, the Joan Rivers documentary. Right, she hasn't seen, seen The Godfather, one. but Get over she's seen The Joan River thing. What is this? Oh, grow up. What no, you, uh, describe the damn what it is, uh, Faith. It's, it's a... If you like, if you like. I mean, I'm trying to invite you in because, you know, you're welcome here. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, it, it is. It's so, so depressing and sad. And I mean, she's Because I know like, her husband died. Yes. And she's a big spender with financial problems, and she's, to yeah. my read, a little deluded. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is that fair, Faith? Yeah. What is this, an A&E thing? No, no, no. This was, like, actually released in theaters. It won a bunch of awards. It's like a yeah. movie? It's like a real, About legit her. documentary. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's... Is this on Netflix out, streaming? I think so. I it think is, it is. yeah. Yeah. It's good. Netflix.com. You can get uh, Godfather DVDs from Netflix. You have you to know, pay a little extra for that. But Faith, journal this. I want to get Netflix as a sponsor for the show. Okay. Journal. Yeah. And listen, we're not going to mention another word about them until they pay. Joan Rivers. A piece of That work. reminds you, have you heard about this thing called Squarespace, Dan? Have you heard of these guys? Squarespace is a, uh, a company. I think they are involved in some way with HTML. HTML business. They're based in New York. You hit a couple buttons and you got a website. Squarespace. And so um, they have, they're have they turning out to be a really good pal of the show, and we're very happy to have them here. Um, my site, uh, MerlinMan.com, is uh, at Squarespace, and I, I swear to God I'm going to update it. Dan's going to write all new copy for everything. He's going to write all my FAQs for me. He's going to do it all. But they're, they're wonderful, and they've just added something really cool I wanted to tell you about. You can find, find out more about this at their blog at blog.squarespace.com. We'll link to this in show notes. You can now do slideshows. Have you seen these, Dan? This is something that's so cool because you see these all the time and especially with like professional uh, people who, you know, photographers, professional photographers, even like a lot of the news sites will have these. And you always think, how how do they do that? How do they do it? You can't do that. I don't know how to do that. So I can't do it. No, you'd have to have... you have to have one of those macromedia things. Yeah, you I don't know how to the, do uh, Some kind of special player. No, it's really cool. And like everything Squarespace does. So essentially, uh, what do you call them? Sliders? What do you call them? That sounds kind of that sounds gross. What do you call it? Sliding doors. Sliding doors. Okay. All right. Barn door. Hmm. No. What you do is uh, like all other stuff. It has a beautiful interface. I just. Oh, you know what? I should mention. I did actually do a bunch of updates on my Merlin Man site. And when I finally sat down to do it, it was just so freaking fast. Their their posting interface, I, I find very. Very intuitive. Uh, it does Markdown, does WYSIWYG, does it all. It's awesome. And like all of their great interfaces, this one for the um, for the slideshow is really easy to do. It's you just you just you just upload your stuff. It makes the gallery does all the magic for you. You never have to touch the. I assume it's JavaScript, right? Probably Dan. Some kind of jQuery deal. I think it's jQuery. Yeah, jQuery one, huh? We kind of beat everybody else out. Is that right? Well, I, I mean, jQuery is it, that is the preferred way to do things right now. Hmm. Can you make a clock with jQuery? Yes. Can Squarespace make a clock for you? Do you know? I don't know if Squarespace can make a clock, but I would assume mm. that they can. And the the current release is one six two of jQuery, by the way. Okay, you should you should follow radar on that. I'd like to, I'd like them to have a clock that I could add to my site without having to use Java. You know the difference between Java and JavaScript? There is a, there is a subtle difference. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you in six hours. <laughs> Process is probably pegged. Um, so anyway, uh, like all this great stuff on Squarespace, it's, it, you don't have to fiddle with any of this. You don't have to diddle around. You don't have to keep it updated. You don't do any of that. You just hit a couple buttons and you got a website. And in this instance, you upload some, and you can go see this. Like I say, in show notes, you'll see this, or if you go to blog.squarespace.com, you can see a demo of this. Uh, like all this stuff, it's, it's really easy to set up. It's really fast. And you have a beautiful professional looking website or a portfolio at your fingertips. You're just button clicks away. And so uh, we're very, very happy to have them with us. And I think we, Dan, uh, Dan, Dan, I believe we have a special special with them, don't we? Yeah, I think you go to, uh, well, you can go to squarespace.com 
Mm-hmm. And uh, do we do we slash, have slash, slash back, back to work? work. Yes, and, and then back to work eight is the uh, code. It's you the enter. code. It's eight because it's August. It's the month of month of eight. The eighth month. And you get uh, Leo. I hope I'm getting this right. It's 10% Leo if you're born in August. August. Oh, right? Leo. My grandfather was a Leo. Huh? What That's are you? Long. What are you? Hmm? What are I'm you? Straight. I mean, you know, I'm curious, but no, I'm a Sagittarius. Cuspy. I'm a Cuspy Sagittarius. Cuspy. Yeah, that was in uh, Bleak House. My favorite Dickens character is uh, Cuspy. Um, what are you? I bet you're a G- G- Gemini. What are you? Keep guessing. Hmm. I'll bet you're a Libra. You're closer. You're a g- g- Cancer? No. Can I say that on the no, air? No, you can't. You're uh Have I done Pisces yet? No, come on. You're Taurus. Cl- mm, no, you're closer with Libra. Is, is Anvil one? Anvil, there's also a, a, a mortal, mortal, mortar and pestle. Mortal, okay. mortal and, and pestle. Is Beast the one that looks like a blue lion? Uh, well, he, he does now. He used to be more like an ape. He used to have big feet. I, I saw an R5 of that. Yeah, I mean, big I, feet I, I and hands. I saw it in the theater. And it's, it's good. Have you seen that one? Yet? No. Oh, it's good. It's good. You can find out why the guy has the hat. But it's not, it's before you the guy. Cyclops? Or are no. you talking about, oh, Magneto's hat, why he has that? Everybody knows why he has a hat. Yeah, but yeah, but he got it from Kevin Bacon. So you get to see that. Okay. It's good. Okay. We're grateful to Squarespace uh, for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Please check them out. They're great. Um, Do you, are you gonna Are you gonna drop their uh, their their slogan their 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 thing? Oh, let me try to get hang on. You know, I they've been so good to us. I feel like I've got to actually turn this into a real mm. thing. Let's see. <clears throat> You hit a couple buttons and you got a website. Squarespace. That's great. I'm working on it. I'm working. It's really good. Yeah, it's it's adagio. People don't realize when they sign up to sponsor this show what they're really gonna get. They really don't know. I think I owe Paul Simon some money now. Well, well, there's a web provider called Squarespace. They're walking around, make it easy to do a slideshow. Oh, oh, well, everybody loves Squarespace based in New York City. New York, New York. That's my Graceland impersonation of Paul Simon. <clears throat> Almost out of crumble. You know anything about the Alexander method? Alexander technique? There's also Feldenkrais. I don't know what that means. Is that I mean, where when you, when you have James Bond captured, mm-hmm. instead of just shooting him, you tell him about your whole plan? Tuco's Law. That's, That's not right. the Alexander Very Method? Very similar. The Alexander Method. That sounds like something really creepy you learn at some like wife-swapping place when you're wearing a bad... Okay, now listen, everybody. <laughs> please get your lotion, put your keys in the bowl, I'm going to show you the Alexander Technique. <laughs> oh. Now imagine that your finger is a lowercase letter of J. Now, is this now, still part of the... Start, wait a minute. What? Is this part of the show or is this the after dark now? Oh, no. This is still... Hang on a second. Let's see here. Um, make sure your fingers shaped just like the letter right. J. Wow. <laughs> this is entered into a new territory for the show. I don't think the podcaster picks up guitar very well. It always sounds wavy. Yeah. I never sang you my Martha Marshall Crenshaw song. I got to sing that for you still. I, have a, I feel like the show's ended. Oh, it, it has. Do you want to button this up? Yeah. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin.